feel like I'm on crazy pills. Just when we thought things might be turning around, Groundhog Day has rolled around again with another three-month extension of the travel and cruise ban. The last week has continued the industry rollercoaster with no news on support past the end of this month and another popping of the Tasman bubble. But that's come alongside new domestic cruise announcements and plenty of hope around the vaccine rollout. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper. And this is News on the Fly. Well, I guess the reality was that it had to happen, but it was disappointing news nevertheless. The federal government's biosecurity emergency declaration, which had been in place until the 17th of March this year, was extended by a further three months, with Health Minister Greg Hunt adding warnings about the rise of more transmissible variants of COVID-19 overseas. That will mean a total of 15 months now that the ban has been in place. What's the feeling across the industry, Bruce? Look, as you said, this is this wasn't unexpected. Um, the expiry is just two weeks away and we're still in the very early stages of the vaccine rollout. But of course, very disappointing and particularly for the cruise industry, um, just because this legisl- legislative instrument basically gives a blanket ban to a bunch of things. Of course, outbound international travel, but also the entry of foreign flag cruise ships into the Australian waters. Um, and the industry has been working really closely with officials for about six months to sort of establish at least some sort of a pathway to recovery. Look, there was a little bit of re- positivity in the announcement, or at least for those with a glass half full attitude, because the minister did actually mention cruising, you know, in a kind of a positive way and confirmed that there was work going on, um, on a framework for a resumption. But he's done that before and I guess, you know, like everything, all of us in the industry are getting a little tired of these vague hints from politicians about all sorts of things which don't ultimately result in anything concrete. And so what are the actual implications of the extension? How does that all work? Yeah, look, as we previously covered, probably the last time this um, thing got extended, the Biosecurity Emergency Declaration is basically a legislative instrument, declaration by the Governor-General, which in turn gives the government the power to do a bunch of things, in particular... There's four rulings at the moment, one relating to outbound international travel by Australians, which is obviously heavily restricted to essential workers and for compassionate reasons, etc. One which restricts trading by retailers in international airports. One which mandates the wearing of masks on international flights and the testing of passengers. And of course, that cruise ban, which stops foreign ships from even entering Australian waters. And with the ban having been repeatedly renewed, what are the chances that this is the last time it will be extended? Yeah, well, of course, that's the million dollar question for the industry. You know, there is some hope that maybe this is the last time because of the vaccine rollout, but clearly the government is very focused still on making sure there's no COVID-19 in the community. And this time the minister did mention new variants, which are more highly transmissible. The last time it was extended in the lead up to Christmas, there was some suggestion that it being extended just for three months was a good thing. It's my understanding that at that time, some state governments were understood to be pushing for a longer extension. And of course, the industry wants certainty, but be careful what you look for. You know, have a look at Canada, where the industry, the cruise industry particularly, was looking for certainty. And the government said, well, we'll give you certainty. We're going to ban all cruising for the next 12 months. So a three-month extension is probably a good thing. With COVID-19, there, of course, there are still so many unknowns. There is a lot of optimism around about the rollout in the USA and UK. Infection rates are plummeting. Let's hope that in three months' time, or even sooner, we might be looking forward to the ban being lifted. Hmm. But what about crews? Obviously, the government doesn't want to have open international borders in order to keep COVID-19 out. But why is that still impacting domestic cruising? 
Yeah, well, just like uh, many people's Facebook status, it's complicated. We are just coming up to the 12-month anniversary of the Ruby Princess, which attracted so much negative publicity. Politicians are obviously very sensitive to any public furor like that, and Cruz has been on the nose very much. But good news, sentiment is definitely changing. There's also a key factor in the upcoming Western Australian election where Mark McGowan, the Premier, has based much of his success on really strict border restrictions. So I'm, you know, I'm quietly optimistic that we might see a change after that. It's also my understanding that one of the big sticking points for a domestic operation by, you know, someone like Royal Caribbean or Carnival Corporation is getting the crew in and making sure that they are quarantined appropriately, etc. Because every night on the news, we see this issue of thousands, you know, 40,000 Aussies still stuck overseas trying to get home. Now, note that number is constantly increasing because under the government's current policy, airlines are restricted by how many they can bring in, but they can take out many more and the government is allowing more out than can come back in. And so there's no way that, you know, that's going to improve anytime soon until we don't have to quarantine people. And so consequently, there's absolutely no way that those quarantine spaces are going to be given to cruise ship crew. So that's definitely a sticking point. But you know, the cruise industry is working like crazy to get this going. And particularly, we'll talk about it a bit later, expedition cruising. Hopefully, we'll hear some good news soon. And on a completely different topic, the administrators of Excite Holidays paid out several hundred dollars in refunds last week, thanks to the tireless efforts of Sydney travel agent Liz Ellis from Cherry Book Travel. And that's a good news story for a change. So, Bruce, what's that all about? Indeed, this is a good news story, an example of what many travel agents are doing behind the scenes on behalf of their clients. Um, Liz was one of the many agents whose customers' travel arrangements were really destroyed by the collapse of Excite Holidays now more than a year ago. But rather than just licking her wounds, she proactively went to the creditors' meeting and she joined the committee of inspection, which is, you know, you're allowed to form to sort of oversee and advise the administrators. Now, that was really great because as you know, everyone listening will know this travel ecosystem in which we all operate is extremely complex. And she was really able to explain all those nuances to the KPMG guys. And in the process, she noticed that a couple of her own bookings through Excite were being fulfilled by Expedia. And so after, you know, lots of machination investigations, the administrators managed to come to an agreement for these to be fully repaid into the administration because um, Expedia acknowledged that they were for pre-booked travel that had not been fulfilled. Look, of course, the administrator took a cut Some of the bookings had also been paid to Expedia on an American Express credit card, I think from one of the Excite Holidays directors. And so American Express also had to be repaid some of its money as part of the deal. But basically a really great outcome, a much higher payout on those particular bookings than the rest of the administration from that horrific collapse of Excite, which left the industry so much in the lurch. Mm, What a good news story. And on behalf of the whole travel industry, we salute you, Liz. Don't miss the March issue of Travel Bulletin, out now. In this issue, Bruce Piper sits down with Ponant's Asia-Pacific Chair Serena Bratton to discuss the challenges she has faced in attempting to get cruising restarted in Australia and New Zealand. Plus, read the seven reasons why Fiji should be the next place you plan a trip to. All this and more in the March issue of Travel Bulletin. Read it now at travelbulletin.com.au.
Well, Australia's Kimberley region is so hot right now, as Derek Zoolander once noted, sort of. Over the last week, we've seen Aurora Expeditions and Scenic both announce domestic cruise seasons, despite the government ban. They join other hopefuls, including Ponnet and APT, as well as Coral Expeditions, which as an Australian-flagged operator is already up and running. Clearly, there's optimism in the air, but how likely is it that the foreign ships will actually be able to operate these itineraries? Yeah, look, this is again a big question. There's lots of questions around this week. As we published in this month's Travel Bulletin, there's been a lot of work going on, particularly led by opponent Serena Bratton. She's on that uh, Tourism Recovery Task Force. Because the industry does perceive that expedition small ship cruising is a gateway to a wider resumption. But in that article, um, she also noted that she, she does believe a Kimberley season will get up and running in Australia, but may be delayed. Um, and every day, despite that, it seems there's a new announcement and the seasons seem to be getting earlier and earlier, particularly Scenics, which is, I understand, scheduled to start on the 30th of May. Hang on, that's less than three months away. Isn't Scenic Eclipse on the other side of the world? Yeah, exactly. I believe it's in the Adriatic, off the coast of Croatia, where Scenic now owns its own shipyard. Now, look, it doesn't take three months to get around the world, but you've got to get the crew quarantined, you've got to sort out all of those sort of issues. It's not an overnight cruise either. So the release of these itineraries is definitely showing a lot of confidence in a cruise restart. Having said that, when we revealed earlier this week that travel agents are actively promoting these scenic itineraries, the company did a really quick backpedal. I've seen the pricing, I've seen the offers to clients, and so it is a highly advanced program, which you know definitely appears to be set to operate. But despite that, Scenic is now uh, claiming to be that they're just in advanced discussions, which are very positive with state governments. I also understand that there's been a bit of disquiet among agents because the ability to redeem future cruise credits on these departures has been heavily restricted by Scenic. I really hope the season does get up and running and that it's not just seen as a cash grab, um, you know, similar to when Qantas put those July flights to the US and UK on sale, where they clearly had little expectation that they would operate. And what about Aurora? Their ship, the Greg Mortimer, is also foreign flagged, right? Yeah, look, there is some expectation that these small ship operators will get up and running because they're, although their ships are foreign, they're being operated by Australian companies. So you never know. Um, both the Greg Mortimer and Scenic Eclipse happen to be both flagged in the Bahamas. They carry small numbers of passengers. As we all know, there's you know a huge amount of protocols and small ship cruising is up and running safely uh, with Coral Expeditions. Notably, Aurora's program isn't just the Kimberley, but it's also a wide range of coastal expeditions in Australia. They're also planning to operate to Antarctica, Commonwealth Island, the Ross Sea, and it's going to be a great product, very exciting, but they haven't released a lot of detail of it. And unlike Scenic, they've actually announced the season before putting it on sale. It should be noted that, of course, Ponant, after all the work that uh, Serena's been doing, does have an extensive season planned. Um, it's also planned to start a little bit later. And APT is also pushing some itineraries aboard its Caledonian Sky, which is in local waters at the moment. Well, that's all very exciting. But when do you think we might hear something? Yeah, well, um, as I said earlier, complicatedly for the cruise lines, the Kimberley is in Western Australia where we've got this election coming up. And I don't think we'll hear anything concrete until Mark McGowan's victory is confirmed. Look, I think he's going to win in a landslide. The poll is on the 13th of March, so hopefully it's not too long before we have a little bit of certainty. Okay, I will be holding my breath. And speaking of upcoming deadlines, is there any news on the looming cliff of the end of JobKeeper? Yet again, nothing from the government or pretty much anyone else this week. In fact, 
The only things that have been coming out have been a bit of unfortunate rhetoric from the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, really talking about the necessity for JobKeeper to end, some vague thoughts about sector support. And look, the government is very aware that they have been needing to give certainty in terms of JobKeeper any sort of extension to stave off redundancies because employers have got to give people notice. With now less than four weeks till JobKeeper runs out, I think it looks like they're going to be leaving the industry to its own devices I think the government's attitude is that their data shows that there is plenty of jobs and opportunities around, just not in the industries where people have always worked. And look, that definitely applies to travel and tourism in the short term, hopefully not in the long term. But at the moment, you know, the government is really trying to force some structural change. And, you know, having said that, I do understand the need to wind up JobKeeper. I think there are you know, people sitting on beaches around the country fishing because JobKeeper means they they don't really have to try very hard to get a job. Very cold comfort for business owners. And I think, you know, we're going to see some pretty bad news among some of the industry, you know, in the coming weeks. And I'm really not looking forward to reporting on it. Well, whatever happens, you can be sure we will cover everything that's going on in Travel Daily, Cruise Weekly and Travel Bulletin. The good, the bad and the ugly of the industry. Well, that's all we have time for this week, but we will be back next week with more news on the fly.